0: Mysteries of Gravity Falls, creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I am Alec Hester, and I'm joined today by my brother, the pinnacle of manliness, Lucas. (laughs) Hey hey there, everyone. Pinnacle of manliness sitting right here. (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, so it's funny. After I uh, ate 12 hard-boiled eggs this morning and did my normal 200 Uh push-ups, and then went on a run, climbed a mountain... um, shouted at animals just to assert myself. Uh, I really. came back and I was excited to talk about this episode. Yeah. 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 I did my uh hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups, hundred crunches and a five K run. That, that's, that's that's the that's the one punch man uh workout <laughs> regimen. You, you know Saitama wow. and One Punch Man? Yeah. That's uh the yeah one punch. I do because you've talked to me about it. Uh that's yeah. awesome that you're copying the exact workout routine.
1: Um, oh, I couldn't
0: actually do that. I'm not that in shape. <laughs> Oh wow! See, I, on the other hand, am a hundred percent serious. I oh, did all of this housework. I pulled out all my power tools. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, all of my power tools, and I, I, uh, I did a bunch I, of sportsly activities with my bro dudes, our bro man friend dudes. Oh bro. yeah, and we we like punched each other in the chest, and like. You know shout at each other yeah. you know i just shouted like ah yeah you know that awesome fun game where we inflict pain on each other until somebody says they can't handle it anymore that's right oh yeah, and, that awesome uh, fun game that everyone loves to play i love I put it put my hand down the pain hole let's not forget about that oh that's not the pain Is my favorite if you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> the pain hole, of course, as we are talking about from this episode of Gravity Falls. That's a weird concept. We're going to talk about it. Everyone without context right now is like, what the actual heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. So I guess that we can clear some things up. This episode is called Dipper versus Manliness, where uh, Dipper Pines struggles with the construct of what is expected of a man. Even though this is not one of my favorite episodes of the show, uh, yes. just like in terms of writing strength and general concept, I, I do love the, I, I love that we got into this topic and I think it's going to make for a very interesting discussion here today. I was going to say, what what I like about it is I'm excited for us to get into this topic, but it's also not one of my favorite episodes. Um, just because to me, I know that it's important to talk about, you know, like, bad, you know, any norms in your society that are harmful, it's probably important to address them in some way, shape or form. But me personally, I've gotten over like the, you know, be a super manly man thing, like such a long, long, long time ago that it's just kind of silly to revisit it, you know, to see, see somebody actually struggle with this. It's like, like if somebody is struggling with this, I'm not trying to like, you know, reduce your, your life experience or anything, but you know, from my experience, I just am bored of that concept. So is entertainment, I'm like kind of like, eh. Sure, okay, you feel like this is something that gets talked about a lot. It's not as relatable to you anymore, necessarily. Well, I- I'm not even going to make the claim that it's, like, talked about. Because I don't want to say, like... I don't want to talk about, like, the cultural coverage that other people are experiencing. I'm just saying it's not an issue that I personally deal with. Sure. I think that this idea of toxic masculinity is something that's come to the forefront a lot lately. Maybe the word even gets overused uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um... And I feel like almost every man says that they don't want to be part of that. But maybe there's still a lot that do anyway, despite saying, oh, I don't want to be toxically masculine. You know, there's a lot of nuance there. um, And a lot of it is like socially reinforced. There's a lot. You know, I can speak to my personal experience with it. And I know that we haven't even gotten to the episode yet. Um, yeah, I was going to say, re- if, if you haven't clicked away yet, I promise we're not only going to talk about academics. <laughs> yeah, I related so hard to Dipper's experience in this episode because I was a very meek kid. Like, mm-hmm. you, I felt like you were cooler than me. Like, not that you were, like, this figure of masculine I, I was the little kid that got bullied a lot, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I, okay, well, to be fair, yeah, I don't want to speak to your experience, because I think that you and I probably didn't know everything that each other actually went through, even if we had, a, had an appearance of what we thought each other were like. Well, for me, the, the thing that, for me, the thing about toxic masculinity that gets gets to me is, like, I wouldn't talk about things, you know, like, that's the stuff, because the thing that they cover in this episode is, like, the surface level bro stuff. You know what I mean like the it's yes. ju- it's not real like nobody actually acts like that it's satirized to a point where I can't take it seriously and that's i I'm going to get more into that but like you know it's not like and i cuz for me a real thing is I didn't I have a problem connecting with my emotions and talking about my emotions and that's a more relatable thing that I think more people need to work through as a result of whatever the hell you want to think toxic masculinity is for me the show didn't cover it in the most like realistic nuance well like i'm glad it's doing it i guess and i know that people still have that problem and there is still especially when you're that age it's different when you're a kid too when people are like grow up be a man do the adult thing stuff like that you know it's very yeah much a pressure for young men or young boys whatever <laughs> specifically so, i think so you know i always think it's great podcasting when we disagree i do not disagree uh yeah <laughs> i i I, I've got to be honest, like even though I do relate very much to, you know, Dipper being a child and feeling like he is surrounded by these people, his age, even, yeah. um, well, I guess not in this episode. For me, it was people my age, that were learning these masculine things and they were being like taught them by their parents and their social figures and they were kind of being forced into these roles, it made me very, very uncomfortable. And that side of it, I totally related to. Um, I do. I don't think that the show handled it in that nuanced of a way, and I think they've they've taught cool lessons better um, using humor in the past. But you know, it, it, it's also not supposed to be a really like thought provoking show all the time. So I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Um, but well, I th- okay. I th- okay. Let's let's springboard into this plot. Let's explain our thoughts a little bit more as we as we go through what this episode actually is. Because obviously, we're talking about this concept that's talked about, but how do they actually go through it? So yeah. <clears throat> we get a little intro, we get one of those cold open intros, which I thought was like kind of funny, but not that great in this one personally. If you remember uh, there, there's somebody in the store who's going to buy stuff and they want to leave and then they leave and leave them in the store. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> yeah, that that's basically it. The the that classic tourist who can't decide what they want. Uh Stan decides he's just gonna lock them in the store and leave. It's it's yeah. in character. Yeah, um, it you know, he doesn't want to wait for this guy. He's like, he'll still probably be here when I get back, whatever. Um It takes the, them to the place that is going to be where the beginning of the next part of the episode takes place, so it makes sense as an as an intro. Yeah, and I would say this is canonically important because, you know, the reason that they leave the store is that Dipper and Mabel want pancakes, so we see Greasy's Diner for the first time, and this is going to be a recurring location throughout the show. One thing that's kind of a side note that I want to highlight about right when we see Greasy's Diner is the townsfolk inside. We get a really good panning shot of, like, different behavior from them, so, like, McGuckin Old man McGucket is literally just Uh, sitting there. McGucket. uh, McGucket. McGucket. I know. You you made me mess that up. That's your fault. I'm calling you on that. Um, I know. I even wrote it wrong. Old man McGucket sitting there just going, coffee, 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 and like shaking. And he's got like six cups of empty coffee, so that made me laugh. The cops, like, tracking the speed of how fast they're eating pancakes. They have their speed gun and the radar sh- gun yeah. yeah the radar gun would shovel and pancakes and they're going you know every time they're on screen i laugh um lazy susan was doing something funny too everything about that the the townsfolk in, in that scene opening was really funny yeah it, it adds a lot of flavor so even as a not great episode as alec and i'm saying it still adds a lot of flavor and character in subtle ways that it's not never a bad episode with gravity falls Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. We talked about this in the Gobblewonker episode, too, where the characters, they get very short, little, minor character moments. But that happens a lot in the show. So you do start to understand the townsfolk more. And once in a while, they'll have a more important episode. And that's fun. You know, it makes you care more when those episodes happen. So a very nice little touch, I agree. Yeah, totally. So, and then we get one of our little plot lines which is grunkle stan kind of has a little crush on lazy susan which is hysterical and i think that it's a really cute plot side plot for or b plot i guess for the episode um and then the other plot is dipper walks over to this you know like test your strength machine which is hysterical to have also in like a like a diner like this you know like, oh, isn't yeah. it hilariously out of place to just have this test your strength machine? And there aren't other arcade games or anything, too. It's just this one. And well, then that's, that is one thing, again, that I love about the show. They love putting super out of place, random things just to move the plot forward. And it's so incredibly abrupt that it's intentional comedy. Like, yeah. the funny part of it is how out of place it is. Yeah, I like the awareness of it. I like the, the tongue-in-cheekness of that. I think that's funny. But naturally, Dipper does a weak hit, and it's very disappointing, and everybody watches and laughs at him. And then Wendy's dad, that big, muscly, redhead dude, walks up and, like, practically breaks the machine. You know, it's a classic trope, honestly. Like, who hasn't seen the test your strength thing, you know? Yeah, and let's not forget the name of Wendy's dad, Manly Dan. Oh God. Uh, how could I remember that name? Well, because it's especially as... applicable to this episode. That's a good point. Honestly, how could I forget? It's it's just because it's me, everyone. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So and then Dipper feels bad and feels like he needs to go on this quest to become more manly. Is that a fair right. assessment? Yeah, definitely. I mean, little details, you know, you mentioned Lazy Susan. People, if they didn't watch, may not know. That's the waitress um, that Uncle Uncle Stan happens to be flirting with. She seems to own the diner almost, but I guess that's never really explained. That isn't explained. That is not explained. You're right. She definitely works there like 24-7, though, and always wears an outfit indicating that she's working there. Sure. And um, part of the reason that Dipper wanted to play this game in the first place before he got showed up by Manly Dan (laughs) is that Dipper and his Grunkle Stan see him as a wimp and he kind of wants to prove his manliness. And not just to them, but probably to kind of the world. This is a moral that I think is important because Grunkle Stan is joking. He doesn't actually, like, he's not really taking it seriously. Neither is Mabel. They're just joking. They're they're having a good time. But but, uh, Dipper's taking it seriously. So if you're an adult or a peer and you're ma- and you're joking around, just remember, man, that 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 stuff hits people. Even if you're joking, you know that has effects. So just be mindful. Is all I'm saying. Sometimes you might send somebody on a crazy quest to go find a bunch of manators and do a bunch of stupid guy stuff. You don't you don't want them to do that, okay? And that's yes. what ends up happening to poor little Dipper here. <laughs> that's right. Um, something that will be important Is that when Grunkle Stan's making fun of him There's a montage of him singing this song Disco Girl by Baba That was uh, great yes. And that's considered the evidence that he is not manly uh, By the way I literally I just, just posted a video On my Flow Arts channel To the song Vulevu by Abba Literally just did it I just want to say Like a week ago or something I was going to say Abba slaps Abba's not- great <laughs> So it's funny that they, you know, um, use the real band ABBA and uh, make a variance of it to sort of like send this message home. Um, And it's funny because that kind of music is probably stereotypically more feminine, which is silly in my mind. And, you know, that's kind of the, the idea that they're going for. Well, and that's kind of the thing where I... Like, I get it if you're 12, I guess. But, like, as somebody who's... Like, I've spent a lot of time in, like, dancing clubs and, you know, learned a bunch of dances with people. It's like... It's like dancing is not... You know, I I don't know. I just can't see it that way anymore. I can't see a a genre of music as a gendered thing. You know what I mean? Like... Totally. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to be one of those white dudes that's like, I don't see color! Because that's stupid. Like, I'm not saying... I don't recognize that it's an extremely powerful cultural influence on the world and that there aren't extremely powerful masculine and feminine influences in all forms of genres of music and art. But I'm just saying in this personal regard, I'm like, oh, what? Disco? Everybody likes disco. Like, is that a thing? Is that really a thing? Like, come on. <laughs> sure. No, I, I see what you're saying. And we'll get more into the construct of music a little bit later. I guess <laughs> i, I, re- more I guess to say I- about that. Everyone actually hates disco. I was wrong, but still equally. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know there's a mix. You know, and that's I think true. that's part of what I want to talk about later. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there'll be a reason for that. So uh, to your point, Dipper is about to go on this quest because he runs out of the diner and he's clearly in a very emotionally vulnerable spot. There's a woman looking for the mailman, to which <laughs> Dipper says, "Are you saying I'm not a mailman?" Dude, that was actually maybe the funny... For me, that was the funniest line of the episode. I think that's actually my quote of the episode. What? You saying I'm not a male man? Is that what you're saying to me? Like, his <laughs> delivery and everything was just so funny. And, like, it's such a... It's kind of an easy joke, but I never heard it in that way. And it, I, I Yeah, it. No, me, me neither. I thought it was great, too. So, uh, he goes to the forest uh, to lie in anguish. And yes. the ground starts shaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and Manly Dan's back all of a sudden. And he's scared. And that's how you know the threat is legit, which freaks yeah. Dipper out more. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we get this huge minotaur with the male uh, symbol on his left arm. manitar I would like to correct you. It's not a minotaur. Different. You are correct. So we find out, he reveals himself to be a, not a minotaur, a manitar Half-man, half-tar. <laughs> his hesitation, half-man, half-tar. he's like yeah i guess i never really thought about this yeah uh it it is internal dialogue i presume well it's because it comes from a different language that tor doesn't roughly translate it's like taurus like a bull you know oh that's wow i didn't even think about that of course nobody would but yeah it comes it's a different language it's not it's like nobody's gonna call it man bull you know they're just gonna call him minotaur Sure. So to add to the lore of the uh, town of Gravity Falls, this creature was summoned by the jerky that Dipper ate. Hilarious. I down. It didn't write down the name of the jerky. Um, and he smells emotional issues on Dipper. Uh, and Manitar actually, in this moment, tends, turns out to be a pretty cool dude. Uh, you well, know, he's sitting with Dipper. Go ahead. That's This scene is weird to me, actually, for the rest of the episode. Because... Like, for 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 the, the way that they, like, kind of mock manliness, they kind of do the exact opposite in this scene. And it kind of doesn't actually make sense. For be mm. like, I smell emotional issues. Talk to me. That doesn't actually work with the theme of what's going on. That's the opposite of what this character would do, isn't it? Am I that's crazy? Kind of a- no, <laughs> that's actually an excellent point. It's there for plot progression, but it is out of character. Because, you know, they use this moment... So that, essentially, uh, Dipper can ask for help being manly, and this manitar can take him on his back through the forest, straight through a rock wall, into this cave of other manitars And at, at that moment, we start getting these lessons that are sort of meant to, um, you know over explain toxic masculinity. Again, being very extra and out of place to send the message home. Again, I don't think that this is actually about toxic masculinity. I think this is about, like, like, more like stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, that's a really good distinction. I'm glad you said that, because they don't go much more than surface level with it. Yeah, like, toxic masculinity to me is more of, like, Like, don't get me wrong. People use it for a million things because that's what happens when we popularize a word. Nobody, come on guys, this is the internet. People don't know what they're talking about. People just throw things around and have no idea what their terms are. It's okay. We don't need to know. Um, It's the internet. People are stupid anyway. We don't need to get better. Um, But uh, I'm sorry. I went on a bit of a tangent there. What was I saying? um i i guess that we were getting to the point where uh the manatars are in the cave and we are getting a stereotypical look at manliness to which oh, your right. point is not necessarily like an allegory for toxic masculinity per se they don't go that hard with it they don't go that far it's less yeah, about yeah, emotion yeah. and more about oh this is just what men do yeah to me it's less about the the like problematic like cultural norms that breathe down and like kind of mess with people's behavioral patterns and more so the silly things of like you know making fun of it 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 seems more like the kind of thing of like you know how like a cartoon would make fun of the dichotomy of a man versus woman thing and then they'll do all of these manly man things that men do and then they'll do all these girly girl things that girls do and they'll play with the funness of the dichotomy of these two opposing forces of nature you know and I hate all of that. I just don't think it's real. I don't think it's funny. I, you know, it's just annoying and boring to me to see most of the time. So, like, all of this, like, manly man stuff, like, I just, I'm sure there are people like that, you know, that they're satirizing, but I've just, like, never hung out with them. You know? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's not a part believe, of my life. <laughs> I believe that if the Gravity Falls creators made this episode now, as opposed to eight to ten years ago, whenever it was, I think it might have been n- more nuanced. Because oh, yeah. they do sort know. of play with the gender dichotomy to where it's almost either or, in a way. Um, I, I think it lands better in the end. Uh, because they're sort of saying, oh, you don't have to be like this traditional norm. And that's good, right? Yeah, I think so, they do have the right moral at the end of it. I would agree with that. Or, But you're right. It is very extra one side and the other. Yeah, yeah. Also, I want to click correct myself when i say the right moral i don't mean that because morality is relative the one that i like is what i mean (laughs) thanks thanks for clarifying that's important for me i mean in me what i say online just (laughs) sure well so i think that we have well established um the general feel of who these manitars are? So mm-hmm. we're we're in the man cave or whatever it is, the Manitar cave. That's what it is. No, it's the man cave. That was, that yeah. was established. Oh, good, good, okay. Um, so the Manitar, he introduces his friend to or his friends here to Dipper. Um, he introduces himself as Dipper the Destructor. Um, yeah, pretty funny, <laughs> pretty good. And uh, so they decide they're going to confer with the council. Um. And they decide, you know, man, uh, actually, we don't think that we can help you. We think you're beyond helping. Uh, we're not going to do this. This is interesting because Dipper uses his wit to talk the Minotaurs the into training him, you know, taunting them, saying that they're too wimpy to do it. And this should tell Dipper something, right? That he uses his brain to get through problems, not Ron. And that's not a gendered thing either. It's just you happen to represent or yeah. you happen to identify more with, like, those kind of qualities. You know, nothing weird about that whatsoever. Um, I, I'm, but I'm, half, I'm half I'm half, inclined to say that men are more easily manipulatable. But uh, but maybe, maybe I'll hold on that. Maybe I'll hold on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll hold on that because part of the thing <laughs> with the gender dichotomies changing is that there's way more gray area than there used to be. And to sort yeah, of say true. any one side is... One or the other, I think, would be hasty. Like, I think that, um, you know, we need to be more careful about starting to include people who are more on the non-binary spectrum. I, myself, am a guy who identifies way more with femininity, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something I struggled with a lot growing up because I felt like there was a pressure to conform to the more masculine thing. And for me, it actually did manifest in more of an abrupt way, like this. You know, in woodshop class, I was the scared one, and everybody was kind of making fun of me and pushing me around for that.
1: You See, know, I you know I what happened
0: to a- but you know what happened to me in woodshop. This is the, this is the moral for everyone. I wasn't like that. I was totally fine. You know what happened? I threw a goddamn saw right down the middle of my finger, and I had to go to the <laughs> hospital. That's accurate. And so- everybody in the school was talking about it. Yeah, and I was the guy that cut his finger in woodchop class like a dumbass. It was awesome. <laughs> it usually happened about once a year, and yeah. uh, Lucas was that year. I was the guy. It was so uh, scary, too. I... But that that is where that mindset gets you. Because, yeah, that stuff was messing with me a lot when I was in elementary and middle school, too. Because I was small and was bullied and wanted to fight back because I didn't like getting bullied. <laughs> so, actually, that's the difference, though, is you were fiery. And I sort of it's was true. just emotional and wanted to, like, go in a closet and cry. That's sometimes true. I would uh, ah. because I couldn't do that in person. Um, but I did still do it. Like, I still talked about my emotions with people that I trusted. So I guess where I was most bothered was the peer pressure around me and feeling like, not necessarily that I wanted to conform to it, but I was just afraid to kind of be the person that I most naturally was in those settings. Uh, and I felt like people weren't going to like me. See, the reason that that kind of pressure didn't get to me is because I never liked the people that did stuff like that. So I never, it wasn't a peer pressure thing because I didn't see them as my peers. I saw them as like other people. Like my, you know what I mean? I yeah, think part I think of that is how I was raised too. Cause mom and dad like probably otherized a whole category of people. You know, everybody's parents do that to them for some degree. You know, you're raised with the sense of us and them to some degree, whatever that is in your culture. Um, and for me, I think a lot of that was with, like, that style of guy, you know, the army jock archetype. That is true. And our parents were very careful to not instill all of these super masculine norms into us because, you know, our dad's not like that either. You know, he's a more emotional guy. Like, he's a guitar-playing hippie from the Bay Area. It's like... The, so these things... We didn't feel, and I'm sorry, I'm mostly speaking for myself, but I presume that you, in a similar way, didn't feel like uh, the way that you felt most comfortable was the most socially accepted way around you. How we dealt with the situation was a little bit different, but we could feel the vibes of what was expected of us. I didn't think there was an inex. An, uh, I guess, I mean, not that we need to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I don't remember feeling like anything was acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, that's the thing I didn't feel like there was an alternative. It felt like like, oh, you're just wrong. like that's the, that's the gist. That means I could do whatever I want. That's how I felt in school too. It's like, oh, everything I do is wrong so I could do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. well, no, that's interesting. I, I uh, enjoy hearing your perspective on all that because we went through it at different times. We're three years apart. Yeah. Um, and I didn't always understand exactly what was going through your head at the time. And obviously self-reflection also changes things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Years years of thinking about it in retrospect, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but I guess, like, with that in mind, it does make me feel like this more blatant version of toxic masculinity at least at one point in time, was a thing, even though I think the lines are becoming more blurred as we go. I think that's only a good thing. Well, and I Um, I think that it's different when you're a kid, you know? because no, You know, like, no adults are running around. I mean, maybe, like, if you're in, like, a college or something like that, people are still doing stuff like that. Or, like, some groups of people, if you're, like, when you, like, follow a football team or something like that. Whatever. There, There are places, but I think it's a lot... Obviously, it's being stereotyped and no stereotype is ever going to actually have that much representation, you know, because it's an extreme at the end of the day. And the more that we talk about it, the more I'm kind of like, you know, they had a 22 minute episode to make. They wanted to hit the point home. I think ultimately we get the idea. And it is good for kids to remember this. I really do think that. I think it's good to remember that you don't have to fall into the gender role that you are expected to fall into. And that is like an entry-level message is very solid. Well, and that ultimately is like, I mean, we could talk about how great it would be for it to be nuanced all we want. But the thing is, that's a lot of complexity that honestly most kids probably wouldn't notice anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So the simple, Alec and I are honestly just thinking too hard about this. You're right. The simplicity of the message is probably strong enough to do what it's, what, it, what its goal is, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. I'm glad that we're talking it through because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, what we're asking for is not something that is easily explained to children. And even though this is a show that everybody enjoys a lot, you know, it's still going to be seen by them. And if you're really trying to get a point home, you don't want to instill so much metaphor that the point gets completely lost in the first place, which... As somebody in the social sciences, you know, I deal with a lot of research that does not get delivered the way that it's intended because it's yeah. too complicated for the casual eye. So you know what? I actually think this is better than I was originally thinking as we walked in today. <laughs> it's so funny. I am too. Well, and you don't want something like this to be too heavy handed too. Because even in the way that, I, that we're talking about this, there's part of me thinking like, man, I'll bet so many people just hate this conversation, you know, just that it's Yeah, that's interesting. All. And, and I'll bet that you you need to, but that's important the the thing is those people are the people that need convincing the people that already agree with us, already agree with us. There's no point to even talk about it for them, you know? And those people are loving it. Yeah, Yeah. And they're loving it, but you know, whatever that's that they're just getting entertained. If you're talking about actually changing somebody's mind, you need to do it in a way that is digestible. And that way is by introducing it in a simple, you know, silly way in a cartoon when you're young and impressionable. Thanks, Disney, for watching our kids. Um, (laughs) I love where this discussion just went. Hello again. I'm back with more information. The next entry was difficult to work through, but I've got it deciphered. It reads, In the order you have it, it's still all wrong. Three goes at the end, but for how long? Looks like we've got some work to do on this, but... Don't worry, there's only 14 more entries. I'll decipher these as quickly as I can, but I need you to make sense of them. Remember, I'm counting on you. All right, um, let's continue with the episode. Okay, so now we start to get the training montage that Dipper is going through to, you know, be manlier. And the first thing that we get is something that I referenced at the very beginning of this podcast. Where the manatar tells him, being a man is about conquering your fears. So, and he's like, so plunge your fist into the pain hole. Yep. Yep. And I, I do think that's very funny and extra, where it's like, conquer your fears by putting yourself in a very dangerous situation for no reason at all. It sort of reminded me of hazing a little bit, to be honest. Oh, it's so funny that you say that, because I was literally just gearing up to to justify exactly why you would put your hand in the pain hole philosophically. What? That's a joke. I was. I mean, I was going to joke. I was going to be like, Alec, don't you understand the philosophical implications of putting your hand in something that you don't know what it is, knowing That it might be painful, but you'll grow as a result of doing it. And taking the plunge to put your hand in that dark place, even though you don't know what's going to happen, but it might make you a better person in the end. You could have sold me. You could have sold me. Bruh, I was in a fraternity. I did make that sell. Oh no. And I would like to clarify also that I was in an artsy fraternity with a bunch of artsy kids and it was not like, it was not like the Manator cave. (laughs) At all. Yeah, Just a very important thing to say. (laughs) Sure. Um, So Dipper does this, screams, because obviously it does cause him legitimate pain. What do you think was in the hole? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, They never even remotely explain it. He just screams and that's it. That's the end. Um, Do you have a thought? Yeah. What do you think? I think it's one of the Manitar's nibble in their hands. Whoa. Okay, that's... (laughs) See, so think it's like a prank. Like, it's all a trick. <laughs> Dude, knowing... I mean, that's, that's... Yeah, I do. That's what I think they would have... That's what I would have done if I was one of these stupid dudes doing stupid stuff like this. Yeah, that's what I would have done. <laughs> Alright, good. Um, <laughs> so, I mentioned a montage, but I got ahead of myself because part of the montage is alongside our B-plot. Because while Dipper is doing this thing trying to become a man... Mabel decides that she is going to take it upon herself to coach Grunkle Stan into being more attractive to women so that he can win over Lazy Susan at the diner. And in all honesty, this is also a pretty run-of-the-mill plotline too, in my opinion. Um, You know, you get pretty much what you would expect. Mabel's trying to make Grunkle Stan, you know, like a traditionally presentable male for dating, and he's not. And it doesn't work constantly. Um, And it's It's, actually really funny, though. (laughs) It it is. It it is really funny. And no matter how hard she tries, uh, you know, he's just never going to be able to meet this expectation that's set. Uh, Which I guess is another straightforward but decent lesson. Yeah. It's the same moral in a different way, which is funny because Grunkle stands. Mocking of Dipper is kind of how we ended up in this mess in the first place. So it's kind of funny that he's ending up having to deal with it in his own way too. Yeah, it's like if you are going to try to win somebody over by being anything other than yourself, even if it works, it's unsustainable. I was going to say, I'm like, that's not true, man. You could definitely, you could make it work and it could be sustainable. Well, and people do. And, you know, not only is that a toxic situation to put somebody else in by presenting a version of yourself that's not real.
1: But well, okay, it's... but that
0: that though, what is a version of yourself that's not real? You know what I mean? Like, how uh, could you well, even do that, that? How could you even be not real? How's that possible? Yeah, I guess it would be very short-lived because in a relationship, there's nowhere to hide. Well, but I mean, it's real because you did it. How is it not real? Uh, all right. I, I see what you're saying. It's your your identity is partially built from your actions as much as you'd like to think that it's only based on your thoughts, is all I'm saying. Uh, no, that's a really good point. I mean, maybe part of what you're doing. But, it, you know, it's inherently manipulative to go out of your way to say, they're not going to like who I am the most comfortable being. So I'm going to try to break out of that and be some well, that's adaption different. of that. That's different. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. that That's the that's, kind of that's, example that's, that I'm that's, using. Okay, that, that's more intense. That's like faking an identity more. I that's guess so. Because I'm talking about, like, maybe you could, like, say that you know how to juggle when you don't, or something like that. And then oh. that starts your relationship. You can make that work. You could roll with that, you know? But that's beside the point. That's funny. All right. <laughs> so we get the montage happen where uh, Mabel's doing her thing to help, and the Manitars are doing their thing to help Dipper um none of it's working <laughs> well on the manatar side dipper actually is feeling like it's working for him he's chilling with the manatars in the cave post montage and yeah that's I just, true i just, just want to say these last few hours have been uh, you know there's been some growth yeah um, and, and so- he had his fake tattoos and his like eye makeup or i guess not makeup whatever the, the football stuff that they do i guess it's mud oh. Careful, That's man, pretty... makeup wouldn't be masculine. Whoa. I'm just <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, football guys. When you put mud under your eyes, you're pretty much just putting on makeup. I'm, I'm just calling it what it is. <laughs> yeah, let's normalize the makeup. Honestly, that would be much <laughs> uh, you... more interesting than anything that <laughs> happened in this entire um, Minotaur sequence. I know, uh, right? So in a day, Dipper feels like he's good. He's a man now, great. Uh, but he has to pass a final trial. And we get Leader R... The 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 Manitar, which is so funny to me. I'm glad you said that. We need to to take a second to say how funny all of the Manitar names are. You're right. Did you write any of them down? I didn't, but I remembered them. testoster I think, was one of them. Um, Oh, jeez. No, I forgot them. I remember we were going to record this on an earlier day, and I had them all in my head. I should have written them down. But, man, there were some (laughs) funny ones, dude. There were some good names in that Minot- in that Manitar game. If you do me a favor and filibuster, I believe that I will be able to find all the names. Oh, let's go. I'll just start making up some of my own. Um, I was just going to say Manitar. Like, obviously. I-, I know all of them have like RAR in them at some point. So um, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought yeah, I, know, I had what like are you five of these already. Um, what are you going to do when there's a one-way conversation and I have to leave and you've got to talk for like 20 minutes on a live stream? oh that'd be so easy dude the issue for me that I'm having right now is that I just don't I'm not familiar like obviously if anybody couldn't tell I'm just not familiar enough with this manly culture to even think of words that I could use what's a manly thing Alec hit me with a word I don't even I can't even think of one like uh, weights well, I'll tell you out. what Wait I'll, tar I don't fucking know I'll, I'll give you six of them because I have the names pulled up <laughs> okay just to give me we them we have Chutzpar, what pupid Shutspar? I don't know what it means <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Did you? <laughs> Pubator. <laughs> like, pube. Um, <laughs> I don't think... Oh my I god! Know. You, you don't notice it unless you are uh, really paying attention. My... <laughs> Pubator! Uh, Come on, dude. We have Pubator in a Disney show. That's hilarious. That is really good. Uh, Testosterar? Yeah, that's the, yeah, one, that's were the one. Testosterar. <laughs> Petutatar? <laughs> oh... Oh, no, like the pituitary gland. That's that's what they're doing. Oh, like, good job. I would not have gotten there, and I would have heard sto- about it on the Discord. No, it's testosterone. Um, Yeah, no, they're all referring to different hormones, those names. Oh, that's good. But then we've also got Beardy. Okay, which, well. At least that's the name of A confirmed manatar, according to the Gravity Falls Week. I don't know if it was no, in the no, sequel. No, 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 it was in the episode. Don't you remember? He was like hey, you, I don't know, what's your name, Beardy? He goes, yep, it's Beardy. Wow, all right, that's great. Yeah. Um, that, that was worth the five-minute tangent. Of course. Uh, so we're back, and Lederar, the last uh, Minotaur, is here. Um, and, oh, it looks like it's just an old man. We're like, oh, okay. You know, Dipper's like, is that the guy? Is he, like, old <laughs> or wise or, like, what is his deal? He was the offering yeah so they the leader are the real one emerges is this giant horrific creature and eats the old man uh which by the way this this was censored in a few countries this did not make the final cut in different places that was not yeah it was not considered okay for kids i was gonna say how hilarious it is that like disney is letting gravity falls gets away with some stuff like and they do it in a way that's kind of subtle, because when you watch the show, you see it happen, and it's such a cartoon that you don't think about it. But then then you do, and you're like, oh, no, wait. They just, like, took an old man and literally sacrificed him to death for this, like, manitar bear guy. Yeah, super, super wild. And with this as the intro, stakes feel a little bit high, and Dipper finds out about the final thing that he needs to do to officially be a man. and he needs to take the head of the multi-bear which is honestly a really cool quest and design and like maybe my favorite part of the episode is actually this part yeah I agree so we get another montage of Dipper prepping with his loincloth and manly tattoos and (laughs) Dipper finds the multi-bear you're so right and uh, Uh, Dipper finds the multi-bear in a cave it is a bear with at least six heads but I believe I counted seven when they say the words at least six, uh, I don't oh, that's know, man. So I think funny. more. What if what if it changes in in different frames, and that's why they say that because they were recovering yeah, I, themselves for an animation mistake. Well, that's funny. It feels that way a little bit. It um, could be. <laughs> it is a really wild animation choice. This creature is really weird looking. I love it. I think it looks great, and I love his voice. Whoever does the voice acting for this, you know, bear this side character, I love it. So it's interesting. I remember feeling like this was going to be a predictable ending where Dipper ultimately just, like, gets beat. But he actually topples the multi-bear and is able to get himself in a position where he would be able to kill it. Says a quote like, a real man shows no mercy. Then the multi-bear says something interesting. He says, before you kill me, can I have one last request? He's like, uh, yeah, sure, I guess. Could I listen to my favorite song? Dancing Queen or Disco Girl by, I-, I I thought of the original, the yeah. real one. Uh, Dan- yeah, right. What is it? Disco Girl by Abba. Disco Baba. Girl by Baba. Yep. Okay. Not Dancing Queen by Ava. That's a different song. And Dipper's gears shift. He's like, oh, you, you like the song? And the multi bear is like, I thought I was the only one. And then they have a moment and they like sing together. And it's like so cute. Come on. <laughs> I love it, it is, dude. It's and, my favorite part. And he's like, "I'm if 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 a real man shows no mer- mercy, then I'm not a real man," or whatever he does. Yeah. Also heavy handed, but it hits the point of the message home at the end. Well, but I like that idea of because to me this is a philosophical thing, right? Okay, we, Alec, I was always, always like, I'm a sociologist. I'm I'm tying in my degree to this because what this is is actually a philosophical premise that anybody can follow, right? If you are defining a certain style of identity by this way, then you reject that because that is a premise with which you disagree, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? So, like, it does so what what they're saying is if men are uncompromising assholes and that's what it means to be a man, that's what's def- that's what we are defining as a man then I don't want to be a real man. And what it is, is instead of thinking of the identity and deciding based on the identity, the outcome, what you, whether or not you want to align with it, you need to think of the premises before you think of the conclusion. And if you don't agree with your premise, the premises, then you shouldn't hop to the conclusion. Yeah, that's great. Philosophy with Lucas Hester, everybody. Round of applause. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, that's, this is what I use it for. I hope my college debt's worth it. So Dipper decides that he is going to go back and confront the Manitaurs and say that he didn't do it because MultiBear is really cool and goes on a little bit of a rant. You know, he's starting to think that manliness is malarkey. Maybe top 40 hits are in the top 40 for a reason. And that's where he loses me. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that too! He's like, you know what? Top 40 hits are top 40 for a reason. I'm like, oh, okay there, bud. Let's cool down just a little bit, okay? Like, I know you're feeling yourself. I know you're feeling yourself, but we gotta just take a step back right now. Let's not pretend Disco's in the top 40 right now, Buster, okay? We're in 2022. 2022. I don't know when this was shot. It still was not. I guarantee you Disco was still not in the top 40 then. It's true. It- guarantee. <laughs> Well, and let's be honest. The reason a lot of things are in the top forty is because they get played everywhere as many times as possible to make you feel addicted to the song. Well, and paid yeah, for, and they're written that way so that you get addicted to them. It's not, yeah, there. you know, it's, it's like, that's like blood- saying that, that's like saying meth is the best drug because people do the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good argument, man. I think you'll lose people with that. I think you would. I think you would. And <laughs> I, So this is why I wanted to talk about music again. Is yeah. that There is a lot of like social construct around music where I think that it is wrong to be critical of somebody for their music taste because it is a very like privileged thing in my opinion to start shouting on your high horse about how your music is the best music. Obviously, you and I like a certain type, but yeah. I'm not going to start sitting here and criticizing people for whatever music they like. But no. I am going to sit here and say that top 40 songs are not great because they're in the top 40. That's just something that I can't quite get behind. Well, I mean, it depends on how you define greatness at the end of the day. But like one thing that I, I took an aesthetics class in philosophy when I was in uh, my undergrad. And one of the things that we talked about is like there are actually being skill involved in an art form because there's taste. You can like whatever you want. But as a creator, there's skill. There's a dancer that can, I don't know, do like a basic two-step. And then there's dancers that can do like insane hip hop stuff. And one person is noticeably better than the other. In you know, objectively, you know, there's such a thing as a better skill, regardless of what your tastes are. And for that, I think it is fair to say like, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix is a better guitar player than like. Justin Bieber. I think that nobody yes. would just, dis- nobody on this earth should disagree with that. hundred <laughs> percent. No, you're right. And it's good to differentiate skills and taste. Yeah. You know, and I, I like music that I don't think is very like skillfully put together, but I can acknowledge that it's, it probably wasn't hard to put together, but I still like it. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same thing. If you want to try to die on the hill of Justin Bieber is better than Stevie Wonder, now you're making a very like harsh, stark argument. You, you can like. say yeah, <laughs> you, you can say you like Justin Bieber better, and I will disagree with you strongly, but I will respect your taste. You know, yeah, it, it and, and by- I won't, I won't do it like sarcastically, like well, to each their own. Like, no, I genuinely appreciate that perspective. Like, I think all music has things that are likable about it, for yes. real. You know. I'm glad that we went on this tangent. I really me wanted too. to get into that a little bit. Yeah, me um, too. Okay. So um, who knew we were Man- going to take this so many weird places today? I know, it's wild. Who um, knew the Manator Cave was going to create for such a discussion? <laughs> I, I had a feeling it would. I didn't know how many places we'd go. Um, but the manators have very short attention spans, so even Dipper making this proclamation to them, they move on very quickly and say, well, who wants to build something and knock it down? And that's basically the end of that. Yeah, it's basically what would happen. I think it's pretty, that, that, that part is pretty realistic. Yeah, and just to check in on the Grunkle Stan situation, I think Mabel finally comes up with an idea. So she says, Grunkle Stan, come with me and leave your pants at home. Which he says, gladly. I um, like that scene. That was good. That's what I so was saying too. Mabel's strategy here is to tell Lazy Susan, hey, you always love fixing stuff. Nothing better to fix than my Grunkle Stan. Which, by the way, also a bad lesson. I think it's a bad super idea. Super bad lesson, yeah. That is not <laughs> a good... Super awful, dude. Super, super awful. Like... Oh, hey, you've got a thing for fixing broken people? That's not, like, maybe a problematic trait that could probably cause you some issues in your life. You should definitely choose your mate based on that. <laughs> yeah, so let me give you somebody to exemplify the problem. Yeah, let me give someone to increase your vices to the extreme. Yeah, and it's like, it is funny, <laughs> But really, like, not a great note to end on. To be no. totally honest. Well, and it, i mean, the note that it actually ends on is the end credit scene where it doesn't even work out because Lazy Susan keeps calling Grunkle Stan and he's ignoring her calls, and it's so yeah. sad. That's the thing. It works, and now he, he's just ignoring and totally ghosting her. So
1: yeah, it's
0: so bad, dude. So it is. Bad. It's really lousy. You know, uh, can, can we transition into the the point, the character points for the day? Because I, I, I had a hard time with this one, and I need you to go first, because I'm still on the fence. You know, it's funny. I had written out something, and as we talked through it, I'm sort of like changing my mind a little bit. <laughs> Me before. too! Uh, I still haven't gotten word on what we're supposed to call this character award. We are now six episodes in. Um, the Discord has not chimed in as far as what they'd be interested in calling the award. So can we call it the Waddles Award until we come up with a better idea? No, <laughs> because Waddles we're... is a character. Oh, fine, okay, we still don't have a name yet, even though now you're saying what I said in the unaired intro episode. There's so many uh, artifacts in this show that we could choose. There's so many. We can't just any of them. There's so many. Okay, fine. We're waiting on that. So I give my two points to Dipper because I think that because I related to him and ultimately he got to the right place in the end and he did sort of share what I think is a good lesson. Easy two points. My one point, even though I sort of hate it, did go to Mabel because she made me laugh a lot and I appreciate how dedicated she is to try to helping people's problems. I just think that she really did not do Lazy Susan a solid whatsoever. Uh, But I can't think of anybody else who I would give the point to. I thought about Grunkle Stan. Actually, you know what? Mm, It's tough. It's tough because i think that what he did in the end by ignoring lazy susan's calls sort of feels like he should lose the point for that that's but true that was kind of that was kind of awful you shouldn't do mabel that but mabel set up the situation you know what i'm going to give it to lazy susan oh i like that choice i agree she deserves a point because You're she's right. kind of the victim in this situation so yeah, uh, i agree with yeah, you t- yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Except I don't. I'm totally not going to answer the same way. I gave my... I, so I started with giving my two points to Mabel. Um, because I at first I was just kind of happy that she was... Because I'm, I'm I'm a sucker for for love. I'm into that. I, I, the fact that somebody's trying, I just love it. Just try. Be a human and fall in love. I love that, dude. I love it. I don't care what it is. It, it makes me happy. So the fact that right. she's trying to, to help Grunkle Stan with that, I love that. But then, yeah, there are all these things that happen, and I'm kind of like, you know, Mabel, I think you might have been the worst influence in this episode somehow. She's the worst influence more frequently than I would like to admit, I know! I, you know, she's, yeah, like, my favorite the... character. I know, because I thought she'd be sweeping my points all the time, and I had her written down for a while. Um, but I think I'm going to give my two points to Grunkle Stan, actually. Oh. Um, as much as that end credit scene was, like I wish that that hadn't happened because, like, I do think ghosting people is actually really, really, really rude, and like I really wish people didn't do it because it makes people feel really bad. Um, it is just kind of an end credit scene joke, you know? Like, yeah, I'm sure yeah, that it the is, writers just did it for a pinch, and I don't want that to take away from the fact that, like, Grunkle Stan said probably one of my other favorite lines of the episode, which was when. Dipper was all sad that he's like, yeah, I had to leave these people because of like, I guess I'm not a man because I had to leave these people because of this thing. And Grunkle Stan was like, sounds like a manly thing you did to me. You did what you thought you were supposed to do, even when everybody else said it was wrong. And that's exactly what I was talking about with the premises thing. Like it's the same logical conclusion is you need to choose the premises that you align with and find your identity and your conclusion based on that. You need to define what manliness is to you if that's something you care about. You know, or femininity, or whatever it is, you need to define what it is that you, the traits that you actually want to exemplify. You know, find the identity and find the things that you want to look up to that are admirable. You know, and I love that. And and he did actually did it himself the whole episode. He actually was just unbridly himself the whole episode. You know, he was, and I love that. And- yeah, and he never changed himself, and he really did present what he considered the best version. You know what? And you're right. The way that he said that to Dipper, it was very earnest, and I think yeah. very wise. And that is a part of Runkle Stan's character. He's he's a really good uh, piece of comedic relief for the show, but he yeah. has this serious side, and he is, in some ways, a good parental figure to these kids. And I love that. I love how you explained that. It really turned me around on him. Yeah, no, because I, I really... I saw the wisdom in that in in choosing your influences instead of being swept away because that's that's what we're talking about when we when we're bringing about all of these cultural influences right because the thing that happens is they get passed on because people don't think about them they just adapt and assume the norms that they're born into and it's like think about it and choose you know you don't have to make the right choice but thinking about it is better than not and you'll get better the more choices you make There's a great quote that I love from George Herbert Mead that life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And I really, really love that mentality of instead of trying to find something that you think exists somewhere, which there's merit in, remember that you can be a new person tomorrow and be the person that you want to be with the traits that you want to have, because that's the internal compass of who you are anyway. That's the idea, right? If you're trying to find yourself, it's, it's there right now. It's there right now. In this moment. I don't That's know why right. I haven't found it yet, but it's there. It couldn't be anywhere else. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I oh wow. I love where this went. Oh, something at the end of that scene, this reminded me, Dipper has a chest hair and Mabel rips it out immediately for the scrapbook. And uh, CJ in our Discord had told me like, in advance of this episode that she did that to her brother in that exact moment. So when she saw it on the screen... Um, that's awesome <laughs> it was wild like it's an exact no replica of a scene that happened to her in her brother's childhood I love stuff that like connects siblings because I yeah, feel like we cool. get a lot of that out of it too yeah um, that's very cool so Gravity Falls keep being relatable um, I'm very glad that there are no insights from Journal 3 today because we are running long on the episode yeah this was a long one <laughs> Literally no page at all, which is interesting because this is one of only two episodes that Alex Hirsch did not have a writing credit on. I wonder if that's why he might have left it out of Journal 3. Um, you know, just conspiracy theory there. I don't know for sure. Uh, but Wait there's minute, nothing there, about there, this episode. There's not a Manitar page? Nothing. Nope. Oh, I, okay. I, I scoured it. Damn. Um, we will open Journal 4, and I have a great one today. Um, we're going to talk about the Goat Man. I, I felt oh. like this is a good one, because Minotaurs obviously are mythology, so I think it would have been silly to try to talk about that and give it a rating. Um, but oh, my, the goat man, goat man is totally on the <laughs> jump. <job. laughs> well, Lucas, listen to me. Listen to me right now. There's multiple versions of the goat man that have been cited. Like, there's four different versions. I'm going to read you the Cryptid Wiki. You could even argue one of them's a Minotaur. <laughs> The Goatman is a humanoid cryptid most commonly associated with Louisiana, Maryland, and Texas. It is described as a seven-foot-tall hybrid creature, part man and part goat. Some claim it is a relative of (laughs) New Orleans' evil chupacabra-like cryptid, the Grunch. The urban legends of them often tells of it killing... Uh, Actually, I'm not going to read that part. Uh, Oh, not going to read that part either. Um, That's... Nope, that's bad. Jeez, Cryptid wiki. what the hell? Wait, I want to know. Can you cut it and just tell me? Everyone, he's cutting this, so so you're no, not going to hear it. I'll, 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 I'll tell you at the end. end. Okay. Um. So, all right. Basically, just know that this this creature has been seen in many different ways. It has gone by the name the Waterford Sheepman in the small rural town of Waterford, Pennsylvania, in the 1970s. Uh, also referred to as Goatman, it says hundreds of people witnessed this creature. Cryptid Wiki said it, not me. Um. We've got the Maryland goat man that apparently was once a scientist who worked in the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. says that he was experimenting on goats and the experiment went awry. That seems pretty legit. Um, (laughs) Holy crap. Okay, the name of this thing. We have the Pope Lick Monster. (laughs) I'm going to let you speculate on why it's called that before I actually tell you. All right, all right. Licked a pope, I guess, right? That's what everyone's thinking. I wish it were the case. It's named after the Pope. Okay, it's named after the Pope Lick Creek below the Pope Lick Train Trestle. What are we doing here? Oh my goodness. Okay, wait. And there's also. Those are some words that shouldn't be that close together, giving the Catholic (laughs) Church recent history. Oh, you're not wrong. You are not wrong whatsoever. Um, the Proctor Valley Monster is also said to be a seven foot tall deranged cow. Uh, there's evidence of the Goat Man's existence, including a footprint.
1: Evidence. Um,
0: that's there's a footprint. Um, yeah, that it's also known um, there. Proctor Valley is in like San Diego County in California. So, Lucas, what are the chances out of one to ten that the Goat Man is a real creature? Uh, let's see. One is the lowest number you said? One? I don't think that we're allowed to give zeros. Okay. Like, I no guess point, you could. Who no cares? Point, point nine. I... I just think that maybe the mental quality of some of these sources might be in question. So I think <laughs> that I might say, I'll give it a one and not a zero, for the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't even know if I'm going to do my, like, holistic, like, parallel dimension creature thing. Like, I'm more likely to think the hooch was just getting to somebody while they were uh, lying out in the sun a bit too long. I feel that. Um, so, the funny thing is, this is a creature that has been cited in four different versions apparently many times. I had heard of the Goatman... Before but all that? in America, I think that's an important distinction oh, to make. And I forgot about part of the reason that I brought it up in the first place uh, is this prompt. Uh, he may not be as famous as his Krypton Cousins Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, but Goatman has a devoted following. What the hell? What kind of a following? Oh, I know about the Goatman following. There are people on his that- post about it. Okay so, okay, so there's something actually legit about this. Oh, and um, uh, the earliest sightings <laughs> date back to 520 BCE as the satyrs of Greek mythology, who held all of an almost identical role despite 3,000 years. So I think the satyr connection is why I brought it up in part two, because satyrs are Greek and um, minotaurs, minotaurs are Minotaurs are Greek. But anyway, this gets a two because of how many people have apparently seen it, how many versions of this creature there are. I think it's too much fun for me to not just give it one point. For the lore. that's You're ridiculous. That's where I'm sitting. It's okay. I, I I mean, I gave it a point out of the benefit of the doubt. Let's read the cipher for this week. Gravity Falls gave this to us at the end of the episode. Mr. Cesarean will be out next week. Mr. Atbash will substitute. And that is a reference to the types of ciphers that are being delivered every week. Uh, Cesarean is one version of a cipher and Atbash is another one. So Dude. they're moving to the Atbash cipher. That's kind of cool. I'll bet that one was really hard for people because I'll bet they thought they had the cipher right until they saw the words at Bash. And they're like, no, that can't be it. That's not a word. Yeah, no, actually- I'll bet that that messed with them, dude. (laughs) That's really good. Boy, we got to close this out because this has been a long episode, but it's been a freaking fun one. I loved this. Yeah, no, this was good. Alright, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies on the Brazilian Dragon feed. Check those out if you like cartoons and other nostalgic shows. Um, the Dragon Babies feed is where our channel is housed, as well as our own feed where you might be watching it. Um, watch Hester Brothers Cartoon Theater on YouTube because that's where we do a bunch of other stuff. Also, check out our Discord and social media links in the description. And leave us some five-star iTunes reviews. Seriously, if you made it this far, you are our people. And we would really appreciate those. They help other people find the show. Um, and hey, I'll say it. If I see five-star reviews, I'll read them on the show. Um, hey, and- whoa. That's like, a, that's exclusive. Y'all should take them up on that. I'm going to go leave one. I want him to read mine. I'll like, nice. write something silly. Will you actually read mine? Sure, man. Do it. Wait, where do I find it? Is it only on iTunes? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can try to disguise it so I don't know it's you. Uh, oh, and I will say, I will read anything. If, y- if y'all Whoa. want to put a wild five star review, I I will read it on the show. Only five stars though. We're not reading any less. No four and a half BS. <laughs> no, that's Just saying. True, that's true. If you if you put less, it's not worth the read. Got to be all five. <laughs> that's right. Keep, keep that in mind, everybody. Um, get your your voice heard in in the uh, the delivery of this beautiful podcasting voice. Ooh. Oh. Not that one. Oh. Yeah, I'm glad I'm going to be reading them. Thanks to our artist, Tessa Scarborough. She's so talented. Uh, and the voice of the mysterious woman, Anna LaFleur. I wonder what's going on with that. Maybe somebody, somebody you know. Uh, we will see you all next week. And happy sleuthing. You going to say anything? Oh, peace. Bye. <laughs>